for instance, I do all of my soft tissue injections under ultrasound guidance. I can take that ultrasound probe, take a look at that shoulder, that gluteus tendon problem. And instead of just palpating where the problem is and saying, I'm going to point and shoot, I can actually identify where it's at. And instead of injecting into it, I can still inject into the sheath or even above it so that you still get benefit without actually causing damage, direct damage, like what you're mentioning of putting the needle into it and putting these toxic compounds in there. As far as regenerative medicine goes, we will actually go in and identify where the problem is and inject either platelet-rich plasma or bone marrow-derived stem cells or something along those lines to facilitate a healing response. Welcome to the Regenerative Warrior Podcast, Doctor's Edition. One of the fastest growing regenerative medicine and anti-aging podcasts in the world. Each and every Tuesday and Thursday, I talk to the top experts to show doctors how to market, manage, and magnify their practice to help more people and make more money. Each episode is short and to the point without wasting your time with pointless conversation. Learn the skills to be successful without traveling to seminars or paying for expensive consulting fees. Are you ready? Because I am. I'm Dr. Ross Carter, and it's time to start the Regenerative Warrior Podcast now. Two things before we get started. The views expressed by our guests are not necessarily those of Dr. Carter or this podcast. One of our podcast partners has just announced special pricing for our listeners. Wharton's Jelly Allograph for $475 per cc. You heard that right, only $475. White papers are available. This is for a limited time, so act now. Why pay double or triple the price from other providers? To learn more or to order, text your name and the word JELLY, J-E-L-L-Y, to 561-962-1231. Write that down. It's 561-962-1231. On with the show. Welcome to the Regenerative Warrior Podcast. My name is Dr. Ross Carter, and I have a special guest today. If you would, introduce yourself, please. Hey, I'm George Chang Chen. I am a physiatrist, interventional pain management. I have a few practices, but my big interest is in regenerative medicine. I have a practice down in Newport Beach where we do musculoskeletal and orthopedic regenerative medicine. And I also have a medical aesthetics practice down there where I do laser treatments, PRP facials, PRP hair restoration, et cetera. That's funny. Uh, so you do PRP hair restoration, right? Yes, I do. That's the short <laughs> answer. Yeah, absolutely. Well, no one knows this, but I just literally had a type of PRP. Well, actually, it was a mixture of PRP, amnio, and exosomes uh, mm-hmm. stuck into my head yesterday. Let's just say it is a... A little bit of an uncomfortable procedure, but I had the whole thing done. So hopefully in six months, I'll look like that with the big hair. Like John Travolta or uh, Simba or something, right? Lions mean. <laughs> exactly. That'll be how Simba grown up. Huh? Yep. <laughs> I like it. Well, so tell us a little bit about your, you know, you said you do a lot of pain management. For example, do you work with a lot of people that have problems with their shoulders and knees? for example. Absolutely. Absolutely. A big part of my practice is certainly going to be spine related issues, which I'm sure you're certainly very familiar with. But I see a lot of patients that come in with orthopedic conditions that are non-surgical or people certainly who are trying to avoid surgery. We see patients with chronic rotator cuff injuries, tendinopathy, elbow problems, hip problems, etc. And I don't know if you're familiar, you probably are actually, but you know, the current 
treatment guidelines and paradigms for these conditions is certainly leaves a lot of room on the table for improvement, if you will. For those people who well, don't really know, what are the recommendations typically when somebody comes in with a condition like this for a physiatrist? What do they say to do? Sure. You know, classically you have, if it's acute, subacute, you have what they call price, which is protect, rest it, compression, elevation, ice, those kind of things. And a lot of times people are ordering a lot of non-steroidal anti-inflammatories, such as like ibuprofen, meloxicam, naproxen, et cetera. The thing is that purely doing nothing is going to help a certain subset of people, right? It's just like people who say, you know, I did something yesterday and I quote unquote, just waiting for it to go away. And a lot of people will have that, right? Natural healing. Right. The thing is that if that doesn't, essentially, if it doesn't go away on its own, a lot of people end up with corticosteroid injections that have Kenalog or Tramcinolone, local anesthetics. And the problem with these things is that they're actually very toxic to the soft tissue. They're incredibly toxic to tendon cells soft tissue, cartilage, ligament structures. And if they're actually done without image guidance, a lot of times they're actually put directly into the substance of those tissues. It's sort of like taking a bad problem and potentially making it worse, even if it feels better for the short term. Right. It's just numbing it to some degree, but there's still a lot of problems. Plus, now you're making the area even weaker or it could cause future injury. Completely agree with you. Yeah. That's not okay. So how is what you do different than the traditional route of doing those procedures? Well, a couple different things. If one of my practices is that I'm director of pain management at a county hospital, and these regenerative medicine procedures are, for the most part, not available in the sense that they're not insurance covered. At the same time, it doesn't mean that you can't utilize the same type of prolotherapy principles when you're targeting these kind of things. So what that means is that For instance, I do all of my soft tissue injections under ultrasound guidance. I can take that ultrasound probe, take a look at that shoulder, that gluteus tendon problem, and instead of just palpating where the problem is and saying I'm going to point and shoot, I can actually identify where it's at, and instead of injecting into it, I can still inject into the sheath or even above it so that you still get benefit without actually causing damage, direct damage, like where you're mentioning of putting the needle into it and putting these toxic compounds in there. As far as regenerative medicine goes, we will actually go in and identify where the problem is and inject either platelet-rich plasma or bone marrow-derived stem cells or something along those lines to facilitate a healing response. And so what have you seen with the response How many people have you been doing these type of procedures with, first of all? Oh, wow. I've probably had hundreds, easily hundreds of patients. Okay, so you've got a pretty good sense of how this is working for people, right? Yeah, absolutely. So what would you say, what are the patient's results? What do they say after a procedure like this? Say, for example, with PRP or with the bone marrow aspirate. What happens with them? So there's a lot that goes into this. Number one, it's not a pain procedure. If I inject lidocaine and it has a 45-second onset, then patients put the medicine in the right place. You're immediately going to feel benefit. You're going to say, yeah, before you even leave the office, you're going to say, I feel better. The difference with platelet-rich plasma or any type of these regenerative medicine procedures is that you're trying to elicit a healing response that's going to take potentially weeks and months. At the long end of the spectrum, you're really hoping to elicit a healing response where you have remodeling of the tissue. So, you know, we have to tell people that, uh, number one, what are the expectations and what are they expecting to see? I can tell you that, I mean, this is in the literature as well, you know, people who are motivated get better, they have good protoplasm, meaning they're motivated to get better, they eat well, they don't smoke, they don't drink, they're 
getting eight hours of sleep at night, those kind of things, you know, those kind of patients already have a leg up, right? Right. I like the part where you said you had good protoplasm. I like that. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so, you know, that's part of it, right? Right. Well, like um, when you go to a bar, you, you made a girl, you say, hey, I got really good protoplasm. Just, that's what my doctor told me anyway. I'm going to print up t-shirts with that and, you know, we can, we can wear them. I've got I'm good sure, protoplasm. I'm sure that that'll help dating. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So anyhow, that's part of it in setting the right expectations and then, you know, accurately having the right diagnosis, right? If all you have, like that old saying, right? If you give a man a hammer, everything looks like a nail, right? And the truth is that none of this, you know, it's regenerative medicine has a great role and I'm really happy that it's there now, but it's not magic. It's not pixie dust. And some people are out there offering like, you know, I'm going to cure everything under the sun and it doesn't really work like that. And I also really try to avoid using the word cure, which, you know, it's nice when the patient says it, but I like to tell them that, you know, I'm not Jesus. I'm going to try my best. But anyways, I'm just saying, I'm not trying to make miracles, although sometimes it feels like that. Well, and isn't it true that when some people get a PRP shot that you increase the inflammation and it doesn't relieve pain, it actually stimulates some inflammation and pain? You're absolutely right. And that's something, especially into a joint or into a tendon, which is what we do, that is a big concern. It's published out there, probably about 30% of people will get a post-procedural pain flare. That's worse when you have a lot of white blood cells in your PRP kit. And it's so frequent and so common that I just tell people to expect. And if they don't get it, that's okay. But if they do, don't get too alarmed. Yeah, patient expectation is one of the most difficult things in this field, isn't it? Absolutely. Absolutely. So when everything does go well and you do a procedure, tell me about results and what you've seen. Wow. So I have this patient who has come back a number of times now. She was referred by a pain doctor over in Arizona, 70 some odd year old, formerly incredibly active female. She was someone who said she would routinely ride 100 mile uh, rides, like they're called uh, century rides. She did that. She said she played high level tennis. She would go hiking through the mountains and, you know, she did all these things. And she said, you know, I know I'm 70 some odd years old, but you know, you can't keep me down until I got these injuries. And she was referred to me by someone who came to one of my courses that I teach on Medicine, And she had a moderate gluteal gluteus medius tendinopathy on one side with partial fraying of the tendon at the insertion site. And the other side was actually even worse. They read it as moderate to severe. And most of the glute tendon insertion was absent from uh, the insertion. Anyhow, she had trouble getting up and down. She could no longer ride a bike longer than around the block and go up a few stairs. I treated both sides at the same time. Took a look at an ultrasound. One side where the glute med tendon was essentially bald, meaning it was completely ruptured. A lot of her pain was really her IT band rubbing against that bone. Anyhow, I treated both sides. You know, she was a great patient, went and did some fantastic physical therapy, followed up with her really by text. She went back to Arizona and she came back three months later. She wanted to see me. She gave me a big hug, brought some cookies, sent flowers. You know, she said the one side that was less painful was 100% pain free. This is three months later. You know, placebo doesn't last that long. And the other side that was less painful, she said it was like 40% better. She insisted that I do it again, just on the side that hurt. We did it again. Again, same thing. And the last time I saw her was about a month, a month and a half ago. And both of her hips were 100% zero pain. And this is over the course of a year. So, you know, if placebo was going to be it, then it would have wore off already. 
I re-examined her both sides of under ultrasound. It's interesting because the studies don't necessarily show that you have true healing of tissue. But I'll be honest with you, it looked a lot better. And she actually did go get a professional MRI done, or not a professional, but a real MRI done. And it showed that most of the fibers looked better than the previous imaging that she had as well. She was thrilled. She came to me with a completely different problem. She said, now let's treat this. And I see, and I'm not trying to keep rambling on, but I see similar things in patients that respond. And I think here's the big crux of this that people don't understand. And they say, well, we tried that and we didn't have good outcomes. Because everybody has, no matter what intervention you do for any patient, you don't know who's going to respond to what you give them. Whether it's hydrocodone and oxycodone or it's a bag of ice. You just don't know who's going to respond to what you need to do. And I've had success stories with people who I think are not going to get anywhere. And I've had people who I think are a slam dunk for these things and they don't work. And they come back and they say, doc, you know, (laughs) it, it didn't work. Zero. I got big fat goose egg out of it. Right. It's tough to know who's going to respond or who doesn't or, and they have other lifestyle things that you're not going to know about. And they may read yeah. it and you may not know. And we shouldn't take on all the responsibility for the patient. That's a great way of paraphrasing it. And that was a problem I had when I was working in practice. It's taking responsibility for anything that didn't happen like I thought. It was my fault. That's yeah. not a good way to practice. It'll drive you crazy, actually. Certainly. Yeah. So was that just PRP that you had done or did you do that with bone marrow or a combination? No, that was just PRP. And that's sort of where I start with people, actually. I start everybody with PRP. It doesn't matter if you're severe. There's many factors for that. Number one, I want to know if you're going to respond to these kind of things as well. And number two, there's a huge cost concern for everybody involved, right? And so if I sign you up or if we agree to try PRP and we get a fantastic outcome and you come back and you say, what's next? Then we have options, right? And we can escalate or we can continue the path or we can do nothing. If I sign you up for bone marrow aspiration or liposuction and there's multiple procedures involved and a high ticket value involved and you get zero out of it, then we're both unhappy. Right. Sorry for the interruption again. To find out more about this speaker, become a speaker on our show have Dr. Carter present at your event or podcast, learn more about coaching, consulting, tissue allografts, exosomes, supplements, legal help, or how to create a million-dollar business card and dominate your area, we're here to help you. Just text your name and any question to 561-962-1231. Write that down. That's 561-962-1231. Or go to our website at drrosscarter.com to learn more. Don't forget about our current $475 Warden's Jelly special. On with the show. Yeah, PRP is a great entry into this industry. It's a fairly low-cost procedure and doesn't have any real side effects or negative parts that really go with it, except maybe a little exaggerated inflammation sometimes, but... Yeah. I think it's a wonderful procedure. Now, tell me about the PRP that you do. You know, there are different types of PRP out there. Tell us a little about your experience with PRP and what kind of PRP or how do you do it? So that's a great point you bring up. And it's unfortunate because people will go and they'll get some of these procedures done and they don't have good outcomes. And they think, well, I tried that and it didn't work. Right. So there's many concerns here, right? Number one, how did they obtain their PRP? And the platelet-rich plasma, you know, you'll see kits out there that pull as little as three to five cc's of blood. <laughs> and then you have, and exactly, and you're laughing. And that's a concern for many reasons. Number one, you have to realize that the platelets make up a very, very small portion 
of the blood. You know, I always give the analogy, it's like if I told you that there was gold in the hills and you went up with a bucket, one small bucket, and you filled it up with dirt, you came back down, you got zero gold out of it. And then I told you, well, actually, Ross, you probably need about a metric ton of dirt right. to get, you know, like an ounce of gold, yeah. right? Yep. So that's why you didn't get any gold. Well, it's the same thing. If you're trying to get a good amount of platelets out, and that's really what you want, getting three, five cc's of blood is really going to give you a very meager number of platelets. In fact, you'll see these spins where they do it, and when it's done, you can't even see the Buffy coat because it's just like a little yeah. dot. And when their people are injecting, what they have, they're really just injecting plasma. Right. Now, there's things, there's growth factors and cytokines in the plasma as well. But anyhow, that's a concern. What I use is something, it's an FDA-approved device. It's made by a company, and they have produced a PRP kit. And it's set up to be utilizing about 50 cc's of blood. And it's very easy to use. I've had a great success with it. It's a single spin system. How much PRP, the official, do you usually get out of a 50 ml vial? It's actually relative to what you need to do. So, you know, that's actually a, a bit of a misconception, if you will, because okay. you can control how much volume you use. You, know, you could technically pull up everything that's the plasma and just the buffy coat and probably have 20 some odd cc's of quote unquote PRP just by removing the red blood cells, right? I usually pull up somewhere, it depends on what I'm gonna do. If I'm gonna put it into a large joint, I might use five, six cc's. If I'm gonna put all of it literally only in a tiny little place, I might only need maybe two cc's. If I'm gonna put it into hair, the truth is, is, and like you said, you had it yesterday, it's so painful. You know, we're not going to be able to get 10 cc's or 5 cc's of PRP into your scalp. You would be chewing on a piece of leather at that point, you know, and so we're just going to concentrate it down and maybe get, you know, a cc, cc and a half in the scalp where we want it and be happy with that. So it's really based on, but you're usually getting one to five cc's from a 50 ml vial. Is that Correct. Right? Correct. So it's super concentrated. And how is this? say kit or this type of PRP device, is it any different than the other devices that are out there or kits that are out there? Well, it utilizes, there's one thing that comes with this system that I think is very good and they call it a bench top press. And I don't know if you used it before, but it's hard to describe without seeing it, but you can essentially advance the plasma out of the widget, if you will, at a very slow controlled pace. And then what comes right after that is going to be your Buffy coat fraction. And so it's a very, very fine way of slowly extracting the portion that you want. That helps set it apart. Some of these other systems out there that I'm probably, I'm not gonna mention them by name. You know, there's a dual chamber system that's been out for probably 20, 30 years. That one people use for a long time. You see that it's funny because it's got two chambers and one chamber is a large chamber. You put the blood in and after it's done spinning, supposedly this other side is where you have the PRP. But if you hold it up and you're looking at it, you realize that the two ends look almost identical. You know, And so that's my big concern with some of these systems out there is that they say that they're accomplishing something, but if it can't accomplish the one thing it's made to do, then it's really not doing a good job. That's very true. So you're using this PRP and you're using it for joints. What joints have you seen the best results from with this type of procedure? As far as joint treatment and treating 
probably OA. I've had good success with knees. I've had great success with shoulders and elbows. And what I mean by that is that when people have arthritis to the knee and even some ACL, LCL, and meniscus injuries, I've had good success with that. So once you've done PRP, how do you start the process of recommending, let's say, a stem cell regenerative procedure like that? How do you get into that conversation if you start with PRP? So my biggest thing is that I feel like patients should be the ones driving the ship on their treatment plans. We're doing this together. But let's say I see you back in 10 weeks and I say, well, how are you doing? You know, if they're smiling, I know we're going the right direction, right? Hey, I feel like I'm 30, 40% better. I'm walking further. I'm sleeping better at night. I don't have aches and pains when I go up and down stairs. Then they say, okay, what's next? And then I give them an option. Well, hey, I'm glad you're doing better. That tells us that you're responding to these therapies. We can either repeat the PRP or these are your other options. And there's things that are off the shelf that are options we can discuss. And there's also things that are a little bit more entailed, like doing bone marrow or adipose. And then I sort of give them pros and cons. And then I also give them the numbers. You know, there's more procedures, but then there's also financial cost to it. And then we kind of gauge where they want to go from there. There are folks that have come back. Let's say the opposite is true. Someone comes back at 10 weeks and they say, well, I got absolutely nothing out of it. The question is, okay, being a complete non-responder obviously is not favorable to any of us. The question, therefore, is was PRP just not essentially enough for what you needed? Or are you going to possibly respond to, or because of that, are you going to respond to maybe stem cells? And that's a tougher conversation because now, you know, we're saying, hey, this first thing didn't work. We're going to need to do something much more invasive or much more costly. And we still don't know if you're going to respond. You know, again, I let the patient make their own decision where they want to go with this. Are you using any allograph products? Currently, it's a pretty small portion of my practice. I have used them in the past. I think that you have to be very cautious about where you obtain these from. There are companies out there that have a very well-documented supply chain. For instance, there's a company that gets all their materials from the University of Utah. That's a big university. What I don't like is when someone says, well, I, I sell this product. And I say, well, where does it come from? They say, well, the parent company is XYZ. And I look at the parent company and I get to a website that has three pages on it and it doesn't even have a phone number, right? And then I say, well you know, where's the parent company for this parent company? And you're like, you chase it down the rabbit hole and it's just something in the Cayman Islands, you know? And so that makes me nervous. But I do use some allogeneic. It's just become a smaller part of my practice now. And so if you do a autologous procedure, are you going usually for bone marrow or do you do adipose or some derivative? I typically go for the bone marrow. Got and it. that's that's really because studies have shown that if you're trying to get the stem cells out of the fat, the ways that the FDA says that you can get them out of the fat, which is really just fragmenting the fat, show that you can probably get like 5% of them out. And that's a relative number based off of the total number that they've been able to get out of by adding chemicals and compounds to it. Meaning, you know, if you add like collagenase to break down the collagen and you spend a lot of work getting out the stem cells, sure, you can get a nice yield, but those types of procedures have been, or those types of modalities have been essentially banned by the FDA. Right. And so all you can really do is just fragment the fat and then try to pull it out. The other caveat to that, and I know I'm keep talking, but the other caveat to that is that if you really want to process the fat, it's a long procedure and you have to pull it out, you have to process it, you have to add chemicals to it, you have to wash it, and the process itself could 
take 45 minutes an hour to do it right. And it's a lot of work. Well, that's no fun. <laughs> so bone yeah, marrow no is a lot easier, would you say? Correct. Would you say it's easier on the patient as well? Yeah, it sounds a little bit tough to them when they hear a big trip car. But the truth is it's not a bad procedure. And there's less pain, there's less bruising afterwards than even doing the liposuction. So you've been doing that for a while. Have you found a bone marrow kit or something that you use that you like? over all the other ones? Yeah, the same company, I utilize the same company for most of my medical supplies regarding regenerative medicine, that's the Apex Biologics system. And they have a bone marrow kit that they have come out with that I utilize and I think it's fantastic. Easy to use, getting great yields. They are have actually documented a series of bone marrow aspirations from independent practitioners and community who have sent them off for quantification. And I think they're going to be publishing that pretty soon as well. But I think it's a fantastic kit, very easy to use, is it, and it's cheap. Does it include centrifugation or non? Is it non-centrifugation or centrified? Centrif- no, it's, you still have to centrifuge it. Okay. There are kits out there that purportedly, you know, it's really like taking a bone marrow aspiration, like testing for cancer or something along those lines. It's just a bone marrow biopsy kit. There's a question of whether or not they're really getting as good of yield as what we do when we obtain bone marrow aspiration. And use centrifugation. I got you. Correct. Correct. Excellent. And you've had great results with the bone marrow so far? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I wish I got to do it more often. Really? Well, what happens is that there are patients that respond really well to the PRP and then we might try allogeneic if they're not interested in bone marrow. What happens, I think, with the bone marrow for me is that cost becomes a little bit of concern for people, and we've adjusted that. And also just the fact that some folks get skittish about having the second procedure for it. Although, honestly, I really don't think it's a really big deal. Yeah, I mean, that's what I've seen across the board as well. It can get expensive, and you know, some patients are just not a great candidate for it. You won't do the aftercare that what about aftercare that's what i didn't ask you about how do you work with somebody let's say that has a problem with a joint okay like a shoulder for example do you have a series of exercises or rehab or what is it that you normally do with them? a couple of big things number one i tell them that if we're treating like something like the rotator cuff or tendon or ligament injury around the shoulder i tell them that the healing process is going to be weeks to months And this is true with anything. I see people with ankle injuries who say, well, I'm a runner. You know, I do four or five marathons a year and I've got a marathon coming up in eight weeks. And I say, well, unfortunately, that runs probably off the table. And so what am I trying to say? You know, I tell folks that, number one, you're not really going to do a whole lot with that shoulder until the post-procedural pain is resolved. And that could be anywhere up to two weeks. I treat them essentially not that different than, let's say, someone who has had a shoulder replacement rehab. So, you know, it's pendulum swings and wall climbs and gentle range of motion kind of things right off early on once the pain is gone and then slow progression. Typically, what I tell them is that for them to direct their own rehab is going to be very challenging. You know, you and I might, things might make perfect sense and, and we might be able to sort of direct our own rehab. But what I tell most, essentially all the patients do, is to go find a high-quality physical therapist or a high-quality chiropractor and someone who's really going to spend one-on-one time with them, not one of these cookie-cutter places where you know they spend five minutes with you and hand you a list of paper full of exercise and send you home. So anyways, I tell them, find a high-quality physical therapist, chiropractor, someone to work with them one-on-one and expect that you know rehab can take up to 12 weeks at least. They've had their problem for quite a while and they can't expect it to go away overnight. 
which they correct. Do. Well, beautiful. I think we've covered everything pretty well. Is there any final thoughts that you'd like to share with me? Not a whole lot. I guess if anybody's interested in getting some ultrasound training or things like that, we do a lot of courses. Or Most of my courses are down in Southern California. I do have a website if someone wanted to check it out, www.regenmeddoctor.org or GCC, the letters like G is in George, C is in Charles, C is in Charles, GCC Institute, I believe .com and .org, but you can check those out. What is your training about? So a lot of things, a lot of things that we talk about, you know, my biggest thing is I'm trying to give people a mindset of how to approach this, right? And that's number one. And then the number two, we talk about, when I teach people how to do procedures, how to do diagnostic ultrasound for musculoskeletal injuries, aspirate bone marrow, these kind of things, and to do them in a high quality way. We also discuss logistic and technical things like, you know, how to talk about people about a cash-based procedure, how to keep your nose clean with the FDA and not say things that are not only unethical, but illegal and those kind of things, you know, show them, you know, legal forms and things like that and, and go over all of those kind of things. We also do some aesthetics as well. So what type of aesthetics? So I do do like lasers and all therapy and these kind of things, which are fantastic, but they're very expensive. You know, so for instance, the laser machine I use, it's a PicoSure by SinoSure. That's a $300,000 laser machine. But, you know, yeah, it's, it's a little pricey. Um, but, you know, these things are FDA approved. They get fantastic outcomes for people. And, you know, you'd be surprised. I think people can hurt and they won't do anything about it. But I get patients, you know, the vanity, I guess, is what I'm trying to get at. Vanity is something that people will pay for. We do do that. And that does promote collagen and elastin in the skin. We're going to be incorporating more and more of that into uh, the course that we teach in the future. But we'll have some of that and we're working, you know, if anybody out there sells lasers, we're looking for someone who wants to come in. So Perfect. So your courses basically teach how to practice regenerative medicine, do bone marrow, how to talk to patients and how to do it with aesthetics as well. Is it a Correct. one day or two day course? It's typically two day. Sometimes we do three day, but it gets hard for people as well. So it's a bit of a marathon. All right. Well, wonderful. Thank you so much for your time. It was very interesting conversation and uh, I appreciate everything. Thanks for listening to our podcast. Please subscribe to be notified of all new episodes and also like and share this to help us grow. To find out more about this speaker, become a speaker on our show, to have Dr. Carter present at your event or podcast, learn more about coaching, consulting, tissue allographs, exosomes, supplements, legal help, or how to create a million-dollar business card to dominate your local area, we're here to help you. Just text your name and your question to 561-962-1231. Write that down. That's 561-962-1231. Or you can go to our website at drrosscarter.com. That's D-R-R-O-S-S-C-A-R-T-E-R.com to learn more. Until next time, this is Dr. Ross Carter signing off. Signing off.